Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Teresa Heredia, who is the winemaker of Gary Farrell Winery here in Sonoma County. Teresa, I feel extra special sitting down with you today. Thank you for having me. I was actually uh, driving up the hill just thinking how lucky we are to be in this spot on this beautiful day. This is a spectacular day, and this is a awesome spot. <laughs> we chose the best spot in the winery. And you're perched on this hill. I mean, yeah. that driveway is pretty steep. <laughs> it's pretty steep. Don't try to ride your bike up. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Well, before we talk about all things Gary Farrell, let's talk about how you started your career. Did you always dream of being a winemaker? No, I never, ever imagined in a million years that I would become a winemaker. So, What did you dream that you would be one day? A doctor, a scientist, which I am a scientist yeah. in many ways, just an artistic one. Sure. So I studied, I, well, I, I loved chemistry um, as I think I took it my sophomore year in high school and just fell in love with it. And um, I had a really great teacher and that year they hired, Dow Chemical hired one person from my high school and one from our neighboring high school. And I was the lucky recipient of that job, got a recommendation from the great chemistry teacher. And that really launched me into science. I had no idea that I would love science so much, but chemistry was it for me. So I studied biochemistry as an undergraduate student and chemistry as a graduate student. And it just kind of, I'll get into that when we get into that part of our discussion, but that launched me into wine. What did you study in college? Biochemistry. I went to Cal Poly as an undergrad. And what did you think you were going to be then? So at that point, I actually thought I was going to get into biopharmaceuticals. Okay. Which I did after I graduated Cal Poly. I got hired on at Amgen in Thousand Oaks for a little bit, and I worked there for, what, maybe a year, something like that. When did you have that, like, light bulb moment, I want to work in wine? So it was while I was in grad school at UC Davis studying chemistry, and I was doing peptide synthesis uh, for cancer therapeutics research, and um, I met these 11 other graduate students from different departments because we were all teaching assistants for general chemistry. 400 under, undergraduate students requires 12 graduate students. So um, we got together to grade all those 400 exams, and each of us talked about our different research projects. So I spoke about my chemistry, peptide synthesis for cancer therapeutics. Some of them spoke about microbiology or um, chemistry projects, and um, the viticulture and enology students brought wine to the grading sessions and spoke about the vineyards and the wine that they were studying. So essentially, they were doing the same thing that I was doing. I was studying peptides, and they were studying wine. And I had already been to Burgundy, Bordeaux, and the Rhone Valley in France. So I had, I had already, you know, fallen in love with wine, so to speak, but not on the educational level. And so it was perfect for me. It was right. really just, I literally stumbled upon it soberly. So <laughs> it's, it's really those students that kind of piqued your interest in pursuing a career in wine. Absolutely. That and the fact that I had already been in tasting groups, invited to tasting groups, because at UC Davis, the wine program is really big. Um, it's not big in numbers, not the number of students. It's pretty small, but it's well-known. 
And so um, we had a lot of people who were in the wine program, and they would put together groups of other graduate students, and we would get together and bag bottles of wine so we could taste blind. And I'm like, what's a blind tasting? What does that mean? So we would sit down with bottles of wine and just, you know, shoot the shit, essentially, talking about the different qualities of wines from different parts of the world and not taking it too seriously. And so that's really how I got into it seriously. Um, And shortly thereafter, I transferred into the enology program. And all of my coursework from the chemistry program had transferred into the wine program. And Thank goodness. <laughs> launched me perfectly into, you know, getting my first job at Joseph Phelps Vineyards. And that's when I became the winemaker for Freestone, which I was at for 10 years prior to this. So you kind of helped Freestone develop that brand. Absolutely. And it was great fun. So um, the director of winemaking at the time, um, his name is Craig Williams. He had been at Joseph Phelps for a very long time, maybe 25, close to 30 years by the time I started there. And as many people know, Joseph Phelps Vineyards is known for Cabernet predominantly. And so they were growing mostly grapes in the Napa Valley for decades. But I think Joe Phelps had a passion for growing Pinot Noir. He wanted to make a Pinot Noir for a long long time. But Craig Williams was really excited about it. And so together, um, they and Tom Shelton, the former CEO of Joseph Phelps, they decided to plant this new vineyard, and so they planted 100 acres of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay on the very far extreme West Sonoma Coast in the new ABA that's called the West, um, God, what is it called? West Sonoma Coast. Oh, West okay. Sonoma Coast Appalachian. So um, it's a really cool climate. Phelps had never, you know, made a commercially available Pinot Noir before, so Craig Williams and I worked together like mad scientists, you know, trying to figure out what works well for Pinot Noir and Chardonnay from that kind of weather, from that kind right. of climate. So it was great. It was a great way to learn. We worked together. He didn't know what he was doing, and neither did I. So we figured it out together. And there was no brand. There was no style. So it was fully experimental at the time. took a couple of years to actually put something commercially available. I'm trying to follow along. Are we still at Phelps, or are we over at Freestone? That was, oh, good question. Sorry, I tend to breeze through that because it's all under the same umbrella. So Joseph Phelps Vineyards right. is located in the Napa Valley, right? right. They're very known for Cabernet, uh, well known for Cabernet. So they purchased that plot of land right. and planted it in 2000 and 2001. Right. So it was owned by Joseph Phelps Vineyards, but called Freestone Vineyards. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's the confusing part. So, so sorry. I thought, and, and maybe mistakenly, that Freestone was a standalone different brand. Is that it, not true? It's a different brand owned by Joseph Phelps Vineyards. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. In okay. fact, they don't call it Freestone anymore. That's the name of the vineyard now. Okay. So the wines are now Joseph Phelps Vineyards is the winery, and the vineyard name is Freestone. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. But you developed that whole project we did. for... We did. Yeah, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. That was fantastic to be on the ground level of developing that whole initiative. It was like... Jumping into the deep end of the swimming pool, not knowing how to swim. Right. But in a fun way. But a crash course. <laughs> a crash course with, you know, all the best tools, I'm, I imagine. Right. Yes, we right. did. Actually, you know, quite honestly, we didn't have a lot of fancy stuff in the beginning. In the first couple of years that we made wine there, I remember seeing like 40 or 50 what we call T-bins. You know, they're just like square tubs. Right. That you put small quantities of grapes into when you want to keep them separate or if you don't have tanks for them. We had 40 or 50 of them fermenting at the same time. Oh, wow. So we didn't have a winery yet. The winery didn't get... That was in... So the first year that we made wine from Freestone was in 2002. 
and then the winery out in the town of Freestone was completed in 2007. Oh, so and there so is a winery. There is. Mm-hmm. Okay. You keep changing <laughs> on me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, not trying to confuse you. Okay, so there there is a winery in addition to Joseph Phelps. There is. Okay. Okay, well, let's move on to Gary Farrell, let's. which is where you are now. So how did this happen? How did Gary Farrell find you and snatch you up? Well, so Nancy Bailey reached oh, out to me, mm-hmm. our general manager, and uh, she asked me if I was interested in, in Gary Farrell. Mm-hmm. They were looking for a winemaker, and um, I had been at Freestone for 10 years making the great making the wines from the Sonoma Coast. And although that was a tremendous opportunity, I saw this as an even greater opportunity because of the access to so many great vineyards, and it's a different climate when you mm-hmm. compare it to the 100 acres of Freestone. But that was a really small property in, in comparison to the access to different vineyards that we have through Gary Farrell. Right. So that's really, when I saw the list of vineyards, I already knew Gary Farrell was very well known. You know, it's kind of a staple of the Russian River Valley, a pioneer of the Russian River Valley. So I was excited just to even be considered. And then when I got the job, of course, I accepted. Right. You've been here since 2012. May 1 of 2012. I just celebrated my 10th year. Yeah, that's amazing. It's crazy. That's how time flies. Absolutely. So what's been the most fun about being at Gary Farrell? Other than playing with all these vineyards, you have a spectacular list of vineyards that you work with. We do. Um, I mean, it's all really exciting. I, I don't have favorites, really. It depends on my mood. But, uh, you know, for example, our Richie Chardonnay, which you haven't tasted yet, but I'm going to pour you some of that. Um, it's a really limited release. We don't make a lot of it, but um, it just has this really special character to it that's unlike any of our, our other Chardonnays that we make. Part of it just comes down to the fact that it's really, it's old Wenty and really tiny clusters and really great concentration. And whether it's picked at low sugar or high sugar, it always has this really compelling flavor to it. Do you feel like a kid in a candy store? I do sometimes. <laughs> I do. That's kind of how it felt when I first was invited to come work here. Um, and it was nerve wracking in the beginning because it's, um, I felt like a really small new newish winemaker I still felt like a you know young up-and-coming winemaker at the time I was and you know stepping into these big shoes Gary Farrell Winery I mean they made Rocchioli and Bacigalupi just to name a couple right Um, and Durrell and Gap's Crown which are owned by our one of our primary owners right and so you know I put a lot of pressure on myself but in the end I just used my logic, you know, my winemaking skills and my winemaking logic. And we had a great team already working here at Gary Farrell. Um, Our associate winemaker, Brent McCoy, had been here since 2005. He worked with Gary, the man. I've never even met Gary, the man. Still oh my to this God. Day. He hasn't been involved for a long time. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> I don't know if we should, but go ahead. <laughs> and then uh, another gentleman, Mark Osborne, um, sadly he passed away last year in May. Uh, but he was here since 2007. And so I had the two of them who really, you know, had been making the wines for a very long time before I even started here. So that, on top of the fact that I used my cool climate winemaking skills to bring in new and exciting ideas to the Gary Farrell winemaking team, um, it just worked really well. And those two guys were so excited to try things like whole cluster fermentation and extended maceration, which just means leaving the grapes and the wine together after the primary fermentation is complete. And then it helps to kind of soften and, you know, it helps the flavors to evolve into more complex aromas and flavors. 
So new, new and exciting stuff that they really wanted to do for a long time. And so we tried some stuff together. Which was great. It was great. And it's made great. some really great wines. Top moment of your career so far. Wow. Um, well, I mean, shoot. One of them was... Uh, <laughs> One of them was being, somebody reminded me in an interview the other day that when I was uh, named um, winemaker to watch in 2012 by the San Francisco Chronicle, that was pretty cool. And then after that, I would say getting the number one wine of the year in the Wine Enthusiast in 2000, I believe it was 2017, because it was our 2015 Chardonnay. Fantastic. Yeah. What's ahead for you? What? How do you continue to challenge yourself? That's a great question. Well, I mean always continuing to think about the evolution of the wines here, continuing to, you know, seek out new and exciting vineyards in different climates, trying different winemaking techniques, um, traveling, learning, tasting other wines from around the world um, helps me to not get bored with making wine. So talking about vineyards, I mean, you have a a nice lineup of vineyards, Rocchioli, Bacigalupi, Doral, Gapsgrown, Halberg, Ritchie, are you able to add to that list? Do they give you those liberties? Absolutely, and that's what keeps it fun and exciting. So last year, um, we added Klopp Ranch, which is a a very famous vineyard that Mary Edwards actually Mm. brought to the forefront. Right. A lot of people who drink Mary Edwards wines know the Klopp Ranch name very, very well. So that's new. This year, um, we're adding another vineyard that they own, the Thorn Ridge Vineyard. And then, you know, just moving backwards, we picked up Terra de Primicio in 2017, out not very far from Gap's Crown, but a totally different flavor profile when you compare it to Gap's Crown. We picked up Fort Ross in 2014, and I'm skipping over a lot, but pretty much every year we add something new and exciting if it comes available. Okay. That's fun for you because you're working with something different. It's great for your customers, your following, to be able to try something different. It's exciting for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Customers love it. How would you describe your wines? Well, I mean, first of all, I would describe them as site-specific. You know, all of the wines that we make are intended, our winemaking philosophy is intended to capture, you know, the, the essence of place. So our wines are food-friendly. They have a nice acid core to them, but they're not overly acidic. They're balanced. You can see through them. Um, so they're not too dense. They're not overly ripe and high in alcohol so everything's nicely balanced we use a lot of light toast oak barrels so that we're not masking all of that sense of place so ultimately i'm picking at slightly lower sugars using lighter toast barrels Um, i'm keeping every single block or clone from a vineyard separate from fermentation all the way until the end of the aging before we put blends together a lot of them get bottled separately so i would just say that they're finesse but some of them have, you know, great concentration and power behind them. Some of them. I think they're very elegant, or at least the wine is. And I would agree. Yes. Very yummy and elegant. <laughs> Will you stay here forever and ever? What's, I mean, what's your aspirations? Where do you want to go from yeah. here? Um, <clears throat> well, I know that's a tough question. It's a very tough question. So my aspirations, um, I, I, I mean, I just think of myself... Making wine is what I love more than anything else. So, you know, after Gary Farrell, the next thing for me would be to consider making my own wine, maybe starting my own brand, maybe working with, you know, some investors who have similar passions to me. 
So I don't know. I'm pretty happy doing what I'm doing. I don't want to get out of the winemaking side. You don't? No. No. Well, and since you brought up Spain, I have to ask. I mean, do you have a passion for Spain? Do you love... Well, Why Spain? Why Spain? Spain is just cool because... um, I love the food there. I love the people. I have friends who live there. Um, my wife is a native Spanish speaker, and so she wouldn't mind living in a Spanish-speaking Spain, country. Right. She's never been to Spain, um, so we joke about it, but I think she would absolutely love it. And it's a winemaking country. It's a beautiful wine country. Right. So, And also, last but not least, this is a joke, but uh, my last name being Heredia, Heredia. One of the most famous wines in the world is uh, Lopez de Heredia. Ah. So I hope to go there and collect my wine allocation for my uh, yeah. you know, many, many years. For sure. <laughs> I think you should write ahead before you arrive and say, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to mm-hmm. collect my allocation. My lifetime allocation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Let's move on to your personal life. You've already given us a little preview. You live in Sonoma County. You actually live in Santa Rosa. You could have lived anywhere in Sonoma County. How did you choose Santa Rosa? Another good one. Uh, Well, it's not down the road. (laughs) No, it's not. So it's about 20 minutes from Gary Farrell. Right. Um, I lived in Santa Rosa before I started working here. And I chose Santa Rosa at the time. I I moved here in 2007 when Joseph Phelps completed the winery, the Freestone Winery in 2007, which is located in the town of Freestone. So I needed to be closer here in Sonoma County. And so um, I was looking at the different areas. Santa Rosa felt to me more like a city. It actually is a city. The rest of them surrounding here just feel like small towns. I agree. Healdsburg is tiny. It's cute. It's very quaint. It has good restaurants and a couple of good bars, but it's dead by 9 p.m. So with the exception of maybe one bar that I can think about. Uh, And same for Sebastopol, except it's even quieter, Um, closer to the coast. It was closer to Freestone, where I was working at the time. But Santa Rosa just seemed, you know, it just had that urban feel that the other towns in Sonoma County don't have. So I liked it. And also it's more affordable than the others. I bought a house in 2013. Um, My wife and I moved in together in 2013 into a beautiful home in northwest Santa Rosa. Awesome. So if we took a step inside your home, what would we see? What's your decorating style? Our style is uh, lots of color. Lots of, uh, not portraits, but art of, like, female figures. So um, when you first walk in the door... You see, our house is like a 1977 Brady Bunch house almost. So it has, it's <laughs> okay. like two and a half levels. Okay. So it has that split level downstairs. Um, and so that's the first thing you see when you walk in the front door. And um, you have terracotta floor. And then right in front of you is um, this beautiful paint. Believe it or not, I got it from Scandinavian Designs. It's this really big, almost rainbow colored um, painting of a woman's body, like of her back. Um, almost like a Diego Rivera backside painting, right. you know, where they're holding the calla lilies. So similar to that, but just in rainbow colors. White with the little, you know, splashes of rainbow colors. And then opposite that, which you can't see from the front door, is um, we joke about that being her hair, the woman's hair. It's a totally separate painting from a different artist. We got it somewhere. I don't even remember where we got it. But it's a woman. Um, it's just a woman's hair that's flowing, and it's in rainbow colors as well on a white background. Mm. So really tasteful, really beautiful. And a lot of records. 
I'm a huge audio fan, so I, I have a it. lot of vinyl records and really cool audio equipment because that's my other passion. Okay, well, we're going to get about we're going to talk about that in a moment. Would you say your artwork is the color in your place, or is is there a color scheme to your decor? The co- the art is definitely the color. Okay. In fact, there's a piece. So we have some beautiful paintings hanging here in the winery. Um, there was one here before that had more color than the one that you're looking at here. It had more um, colors that are similar to the rainbow, but not exactly. When I say the rainbow, I mean very tasteful, like beautiful metallic paints and nothing bright or striking it. When you first look at it, it doesn't look like a rainbow, but it fits perfectly with the theme in our house. Okay. So our walls are just, um, God, we bought the house and it was probably like, that mocha latte color, you know, where if you walk in the house and there's no art on the wall, right. you're depressed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to paint some color on your wall, right. right? Absolutely. But instead of painting color, we put art with beautiful colors sure. on the wall. And we have these white curtains with a, um, a teal organza. I think that's what it is. Um, you know, the, sh- the right sheer through. kind of color. Mm-hmm. And so they're tied together. And so that really ties beautifully into those two female paintings that I'm talking okay. about. So when you kick back and relax, talking about music, what kind of music do you like to put on? Again, depending on my mood. Um, my relaxing. largest, Yeah, I'm relaxing. Um, am I alone or am I with friends? Or am oh. I with my wife? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just say uh, your generic kick back, relaxing yeah. mood. <laughs> uh, so my largest collection is, or the, the largest number of records in my collection is hip-hop. Okay. My wife and I both love hip hop, and um, I've loved hip hop since I was, you know, really young, since I was in high school, and uh, and so I've got a collection going back to the early '80s and the early roots of hip hop, and so that's my largest number of records. So some of 600. your favorite artists? Oh God, um, I love Public Enemy, Mos Def, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, I just discovered the first Drake album that I really love. And it's honestly never mind. That's the name of the album. It's oh. brand new. It just got released last Friday. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's got some house music. That's what he. Uh, that's what the music is. And I think what I've disliked about Drake in the past is his kind of monotone rapping over his what sounds like monotone beats to mm-hmm. me. And so I never really, you know, latched onto it. But this album, you should listen it's to. Really it. good. Yeah. Okay. Haven't bought it yet, but I don't think it's out on vinyl yet. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, we're, how are you finding some of these things in vinyl? Oh, everybody's on vinyl now. It's Seriously? Like, it started to come back in the, like, 2010s, you know, maybe 2010, 11, 12. It started to really become super popular again. 2013, 14, it was, you know, people were fighting over, you know, old original pressings of right. records and stuff. And now we're talking 20, in 2020, 2021, 2022, I feel like everything is out on vinyl now. Oh. Yeah. Okay, apparently I'm out of it. <laughs> but that's super cool. Yeah. I love it. Okay. You know, we're here in wine country. Other than Gary Farrell, what do you like to drink at home? Are you a wine girl or do you have the occasional beer or cocktail? Oh, cocktails. Yeah, you speak in my language. Um, but I don't drink them very often at home. Um, we do occasionally, I did in 2020, my wife and I got really naughty about having cocktails at home during the, you know, when everything was shut down. I think most of us suffered from that, but I drink, we drink a lot of bubbles. So I, I, I really only drink sparkling water embarrassingly. Um, and I love sparkling wine as well, whether it's champagne or Prosecco or Cava, any kind of sparkling wine, you know, Rotor, local. It doesn't matter. It's great, isn't it? Absolutely. 
And if it's pink, it's even better. I agree. I agree. I agree. So maybe that's what should be in your future. Oh, girl, we've thought about that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, we're talking about your personal life. (laughs) Yeah. So other than vinyl and maybe some artwork, is there anything else that you collect or do you have a hobby? Another hobby? Audio equipment is, I'm, it's as a hobby for me as much as uh, vinyl records. So reading about, you know, audio equipment, I just put a new stereo in my car and um, it's pretty amazing. So I've got a really great stereo at home. I have three different turntables and three different stereo setups. I feel like you're a DJ in a past life uh, or something. Maybe. Maybe I was. I think I should have been. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Travel. Travel. Yeah. So is there something people might be surprised to learn about you? Meaning, do you rappel down mountains? Do you skydive? Uh, Did you do something crazy as a child? I don't know. (laughs) Something really out of the ordinary. Well, I did in the 90s um, when I was in my 20s. I went on a blind date with a guy that one of my friends set me up with, and um, he was a professional skydiver. And so we went on that blind date skydiving so he did his own dive right because he was professionally trained and i did a tandem dive oh thank god yeah (laughs) no but i have it on vhs oh my god i've just dated myself yeah well i have things on vhs but like can we watch them anymore (laughs) i don't have any means of watching it no i should put it on cd dvd i should transfer it yeah oh so that's super cool and a memory to last a lifetime absolutely bucket list what's on your bucket list or have you done it all no no i've never been to new zealand oh or australia i've not either i want to go to both that's definitely those are on my bucket list i also want to go to croatia i want to go you know mm -hmm. to areas where um you know different parts of the world um parts of italy where they make orange wines why the orange wine craze i know that's the new thing no it's a hip thing um why why do you like that why do you like the orange wine thing well i think it's a hip thing because people who are really into wine who drink wine all the time taste wine talk about wine all the time we want something different right so as as palate cleansing as bubbles are we taste wine all the time and so we crave something that's unique and different and it's really different when you compare it to the wines that you can taste in the United in, in parts of the United States, every now and again you'll find an orange wine. But um, we made a not an orange wine, but we made a skin fermented Chardonnay that was aged on skins with the grape skins in 2013. And the way that came about is that Nancy, our general manager, and myself were on a sales and marketing trip in New York City, and we went to this restaurant. I think it's in the Lower East Side called Hearth, I believe. And we sat at the bar. And I knew this place. I knew that they had a nice list of orange wines because they were starting to become really popular. So we, I introduced, she had never had one. So I introduced her to like two or three different orange wines that we tasted. And she got excited and we both decided that we were going to make something. So we did it in 2013. It was really cool. We actually took, popped the heads off of uh, six barrels and put them upright and used them like little tanks. And right. we just put small amounts of Chardonnay on skins in there and fermented them just like a red wine. Punched them down with this little punch down device. But you never did it again. No, we may again, though. We talk about doing it again because people, those who loved it, really loved it. But it was a small number of people at the time who were into that kind of thing. I think there are more consumers who would be interested in it now. I heard recently another winery is making an orange wine. Mm -hmm. And it's the only other time that I've heard 
about the orange wine here in Sonoma County. So Mm -hmm. I I just don't, I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. So I'm so intrigued. Yeah. And the fact that you guys made it in 13 means, again, I'm behind the times, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. It's just different. You know, it's a different, it's a white wine that has some qualities of red wine. Yeah. But not the color. It has more of a, a true orange wine has, you know, an amber color to it. Right. Or a deep yellow, like a golden hue to it from the skins. Right. Yeah. And from oxidation. Right. Just seems so... Out there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I'm just not sure I can wrap my arms around that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be open-minded, of yes. course. Okay, perfect day. If you had a day off, haha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would that look like? Go out to the coast. Drive out, have a nice, get get away from cell service, walk along the beach, have some oysters and some champagne. That's a great day off. And it's not very far from us. I know, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So that is your perfect day. Yes, it is. That's a perfect day off. Well, we're going to wrap things up now with okay. five quick questions. You ready? Indeed. Okay. What kind of car do you drive? I drive a very cute cadmium orange Lexus UX. It's the UX 200 that came out in 2019, and I got it at the end of 2018, so it was brand spanking new. Okay, if you haven't figured it out, folks, she's a very hip and happening woman. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Second question. What's your favorite flower? I love lilies. Calla lilies used to be one of my favorite flowers, um, and now I'm going to say that it's the stargazer lily. Um, because my best friend um, who passed away in January, it was her favorite flower. Okay. I'm thinking about getting that tattooed somewhere. Oh. Like a little, I don't have any tattoos, but I'm thinking about doing it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just a flower. That's good to know. (laughs) Third question. What's your favorite holiday? Oh, boy, I love Memorial Day. I know. Everybody loves Christmas or Thanksgiving. They're great holidays and everything, but they're so commercial. Okay, so love, what do you like about Memorial Day? It's the first day of summer. Like, it's the first real, like, opening of summer. And I think about sunshine and pool parties and beaches and music and cocktails. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I have a pool in my backyard, and it's the beginning of uh, pool party season. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fourth question. What's the last piece of candy you ate? Oh, my. Uh, wow. Actually, I... I just finished a little Ziploc baggie of um, candies that (laughs) I had around from Halloween. I don't eat a lot of candy. So the last thing that was in there that I saved for last was a little tiny box of grape-flavored nerds. A, I don't love nerds, and B, I hate grape-flavored candy. So it sat there for a long time, and that was the last candy that I ate. And she broke down and ate it. (laughs) (laughs) When you have a sweet tooth, you have a sweet tooth. Uh, Yes, this is true. This is true. Okay, and final question. What's in your nightstand? God, or a what lot are a few things? <laughs> a lot of junk. Um, my uh, music, my little portable music players that I have. I have a, a music player from you know before you could play anything from your iPhone. I have right. a little. Uh, they're actually audiophile music players, so they they contain um, you know you can listen to high resolution audio through oh, them, and so okay. that's what's in there. That okay, and all what my else? cables, cables for my phones and whatnot, money. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, she's pretty calm on the on the uh, nightstand. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, Teresa, that's it. Thank you. You have been a delight and a true pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to come all the way here to, you know, sit in this beautiful place and interview me. Visit WineCountryWomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.